You're my special friend. Welcome, guys, to another episode of the Special Friends Podcast. It's your boy, Woozy, and I'm here with... It's me, Allie B. And... <laughs> and we're also here with another special guest. You might not be able to see her, but we have Ariel on the pod, a.k.a. Arioki. Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> That's the disembodied voice right there. Right. Yeah, she's been... Um, Ariel's been helping us behind the scenes with um, helping with better topic curation. So it's dope to have finally have her on the podcast and um, yeah, have, have a conversation. Um, before we get to anything, do me a favor. Can you subscribe to the video, like the video and comment? Um, if you're enjoying everything, if you're listening to the audio version, do me a favor, please rate the podcast five stars. It helps a lot. I say it all the time. <laughs> Just rate it, <laughs> rate it five stars. Um, even watching a video, go rate it five stars. It really helps out a lot. But yeah, I wanted to check in with you guys. How are you guys doing? How are you guys feeling? No. <laughs> not the not the dead air chicken. We're going to talk first. Who's going to go? <laughs> yeah, um, I'm doing pretty good. I getting caught up with with my grading which mm-hmm. is a pretty great place to be as every 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 episode I talk about how I'm teaching too many classes this semester <laughs> so but it feels it feels good I'm in the final kind of stretch we've got like I think five weeks left in the semester so um just wanting to not be getting to the end with a mountain of things to grade mm-hmm. and it's looking like that's pretty much possible every day so i'm trying like a new routine when i'm working on not burning out like that means a goal of getting eight hours of sleep i have a goal of doing some meditation or movement every day and getting your ceo bag CEO routine you know they have the get is up that at what six, it is you know get up at six not there yet do meditation for 10 minutes these things well deep, deep stretches i would love to get there i, I hope <laughs> soon enough i have a, a real morning routine mm-hmm. but it's a day at a time at this point it, it's recovering a lot of lost sleep and um i'm not interested in getting up earlier than i have to for the next five weeks but talk to me during winter break. I feel it. I'm, I almost canceled the pod because I was so tired. I was, yeah. lay, I was laying there on the floor. My mom was like, you got to get up and set the podcast. I said, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just give me a second. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I definitely feel you on that. Yeah. What about you, Miss Ariad? Um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good because I'm here with y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all always bring like a really good energy out of me. <laughs> um, so I'm doing really well. And I'm also trying to get back to a routine. I had a really good routine. And then my dad came to stay with me for a month. Um, I'm sorry about that. And that was very, <laughs> I was like so excited. Like in September, I was like, yeah, like I finally got a rhythm and a groove going. And then he was like, hey, I'm coming for a few days. I'm like, cool, that's fine. The weekend, you know. Oh, okay. What you doing for Halloween? What? <laughs> You're going to be here at Halloween? <laughs> what you mean by that, my boy? So I'm happy. Um, he'll be leaving in a few days. Um, so I'm happy to uh, <laughs> get Sorry, back Pops. to a routine. 
I'm gonna finish my year like strong and like pouring into myself. That's fire. That's what's up. I love to call, tell my students that we're trying to get to winter break yeah. instead of winter break. Winter in the winter in the what they what did everybody say that's corny in the year stronger than you started it. Let's go, y'all. <laughs> Especially <through>. this year. <laughs> <laughs> the year's almost over. Think about that. Yeah, November. It's crazy. It's basically November. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, November my quarter. gosh. I was still in October. <laughs> She's in basically November. <laughs> basically. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> Actually, it is. That's funny. So, I feel that. that. I feel that. Yeah, it's been... um. Like I told Ali before the podcast, this is a this is a busy week. Well, this last this last bit, this last stretch of until this, these next two weeks is gonna be very busy for me. So I'm I'm excited because I actually like being busy, but I'm also not excited because I also have a lot more going on in life than, <laughs> than I used to when I wasn't as busy. So it's like you know, I'm 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 excited. I'm like I'm juiced like a little like a little crack me. Price rebel too, but I was already hyped. My mom said, "You want to rebel?" I said, mm, "Okay." But yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> it was so funny. It was, it was the, it's the, yeah, <laughs> the, the way the rebels moving through, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw the rock and I started. But <laughs> I wanted to before we get into anything. Hot takes. Did you guys bring hot takes today? I did. What you okay. bring? Let's let Ariel start. What's what's the hot takes? In the current state of our society, okay, I feel like queer platonic relationships are more desirable than romantic relationships. Explain that. So queer platonic relationships are basically between friends, mm-hmm. usually of the same sex, mm-hmm. and they create life together. So maybe they're buying a house together. Maybe they're sharing an income. Maybe they're investing in each other's purposes and everything. Mm-hmm. If they have children, they're raising children together. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much splitting the household as a married couple, but they're not sexually attracted to each other. They're not in like a romantic relationship. They're just creating life, making life, building life together. Mm-hmm. And since we're all struggling financially, I feel like more people are seeking that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because the dating pool, as I heard, is like pissy. So <laughs> that's my hot take <laughs> because I'm also one of those people who are just like, I just want my best friend and me to like get a house, start a business, raise our kids if it comes to that. <laughs> I mean, no, it's funny you bring that up because I actually have a friend, shout out to Evelyn, and that's what she's in. She, her friend has a kid and they're not together, but they live together and they like, she like helps support, helps her support the kid and they're not, they're not in a relationship sexually or anything like that. They're just friends, same sex. And they basically are like working together to be a family almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. I I've, never, about it. I've never heard the term queer platonic relationship, but yeah, that. I have. I feel like one of my besties and I, she was also one of my former roommates, mm-hmm. kind of operate like that. But she has a husband, so, you know, there's not really much of a need to 
build together. Mm-hmm. But interesting. I feel like we provide more like emotional support to each other in terms of like growing mm-hmm. and building in that way. Um, but I think that's a yeah, that's a hot take. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I was, oh, go ahead. No, I was saying I feel like you feel like it's a new phenomenon. No, no. I, like I it's think a, it's just coming back around. Yeah, cause I, I remember I was talking to my mom today about we we're talking about like when I was gonna buy a house when I was younger, and I was telling her I was like how I'm glad I didn't buy it. And we got a, she has a friend and what he did before he got married is that him and his friends all went three ways on a duplex and then sold the duplex later on. But that's what they were doing. Like we don't got nothing to do. So they all, I guess you could say built a life together and bought this duplex, lived together, like took care of each other type stuff. And they sold it off. So it was like interesting. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I, me and my friends had that conversation a few years back, but now like they're both married <laughs> with wives <laughs> they're, they're buying their own houses now and i'm just like Dang, i need to find another y'all sold out right <laughs> yeah but i'm all for community like that's yeah. one of my major values and so i believe in like it takes a village to raise a child and we should be able to all bring something quote unquote to the table as a friend group and build together however that may look like like for you you say you're like a lot of emotional support for your friend so that's like something you're investing in that relationship um I want to get back to the days where like we know our neighbors and we know their kids and they can trust us with their kids I know you know there's always a negative side of that but I want to be able to like go to my neighbor's place and like have a barbecue and like hang out after on like a Sunday evening or borrow their lawnmower if I need it, or vice versa, whatever. Um, but sometimes I just be in La La Land because our society is so detached from that living right now. So interesting. You know, I always live in a bubble. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I always live in. I always joke around me live in a bubble because, like, you know, that's how. Like my mom's. My mom lives. I know all the neighbors. And then at my aunt's house, we know all the neighbors. And at my grandpa's house, you know all the neighbors. <laughs> but I feel like every time I live in an apartment. Actually, this is probably the first apartment that I don't know nobody. Because my last apartment, the, when I moved out my last apartment, they left a note on my door about how sad they were that I was leaving. Oh, damn. <laughs> I didn't even know you, I didn't even know you realized I was here. Aww. <laughs> I, still had, I wish I still had that note. But yeah, I, I, I think I've always, I'm, I'm, I won't say I've had to the point where I can go and like, you know, like just pull up to the barbecue type stuff. But, um, I definitely agree. I feel like that's like the best way to live. Cause I remember like in my grandpa, my grandparents' house is like, if we see the neighbor's trash cans out, we'll take the trash cans in. Or we know that they're not there for a couple of days. We'll take their trash cans out and bring them back in. Like, you know, type stuff like that versus be like, Hey, my house, that's on them. I actually just did that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I want better community. But that's in the future. <laughs> no, I took out my neighbor's oh, trash. Okay, yeah, nice. Oof, that was a she yeah. she had said it like on her little because we kind of like share like a mini porch. Stoop. And I was taking out my trash. I was like, I'm gonna take out her trash. Yeah. And she's fine. like a young college kid. I think she's like 18. Mm-hmm. She just moved in. I was like, I'm gonna help her out. That's fine. I, I know the people across the way. One time they had left their trash bag out, and I went to the trash can. I'm like, I'm not gonna take it. Yeah. Like I'll do that stuff was like nice that. Of you. I mean, to me, it's just, I mean, like, what's the why? I mean, to me, it's like always like, why not? Yeah. Viruses on people being in the world, like, don't be touching nobody else's trash. But I was carrying it. I was like, 
I'll touch on somebody else's trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was like, I haven't washed my hands anyway when I go back yeah. in. So, but yeah, I definitely have a desire to like share, you know, how to have those, what's it called? Like a time, you know, how you could like roped in into those meetings. Yes, but I would rather have one I have control over. Like <laughs> me, my friends, and family, like people I know have a yeah. timeshare. That'd be fire. Or like share a truck. So yeah. when you need to move or you want to go on a travel, like we all just like, oh, I need a truck this weekend or like RV. Like I want to get to that point with my friends. I kind of, that's why I kind of I, mean, I kind of miss my old apartment. Shout out to my friends on that shit. Because <laughs> my, my old, I always had the, I've always lived with the idea of like a, you know, ever seen like a content house, like kind of like Kai Sinat has, yes. and like like old school, like uh, what's his name? It's a guy who's a w, Logan Paul and stuff like that. Like I've always wanted something like that where it's like everybody come together and like we're all like in community. And like my old apartment was like that. Like my. You see, the door's not unlocked, usually unlocked all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, my old apartment was like that, where my door's unlocked, people just pulling up, <laughs> you yeah. know, like they know where everything's at. It's not a big issue. I mean, obviously, to a degree, like it was only certain friends I was doing that, but you know, like it literally be like, what are you doing? I'm doing absolutely nothing. I'm on my way. Yeah. <laughs> like, and we just all hanging out, and then somebody else in the neighborhood is like, oh, now we got a little party going on yeah. and sharing ideas. And I, I do, I do miss that aspect. Um, that's fire though. Shout out to yeah. community. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's something I'm striving to striving to do in the future. Personally. I feel like I'm rebuilding those relationships. So I I don't have I have a handful of friends I could see going into partnership with in these sorts in those sorts of um endeavors. But I've also started a lot of pro- projects with friends, like just low stakes projects. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. Like, I thought I, I thought I thought we knew each other. <laughs> that stuff. So. I thought we were cool. I, yeah, I thought we were cool. So I feel like I don't know. Maybe that's commitment issues there in that yeah. area. But I, I like the idea of it, and I do think like when you're with the right people on the same frequency, mm-hmm. the, the same vision, it there's a lot of power there. So for me, I think I'm just like still figuring out who those people are to be able to experience that. Do you feel like that's? Do you feel like the fact that we lack community is why a lot of people? Are- are struggling yeah yeah 100 percent. struggling mentally financially spiritually i feel like now it's more it's less community and more personally how i feel this way it's less community and more competition yeah and not like not like literally like yeah no the word is competition i don't mean it in a more like i'm directly competing with you but it's more like like a comparison type. I don't want too. you. To, I don't want you to be above me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, never mind. It's the crabs in a barrel. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I'll, like you know, I'm help. I'll help you, but only to a certain extent. Not, yeah. not more than all. I yeah. also see the other another part of that is just like people being afraid to ask for help, or bringing their friends into that realness of them needing help, um, because of like, yeah, because of the societal messages that are being sent to us of like, you have to be in competition or you don't want them to really know like where you're at. Yeah. Or like don't loan out money. Yeah. Or like be in comparison with them. Like, you know, that comparison thing. I don't, I don't loan out money either, but in terms of like buying a house together and stuff like that, you know, you have to be open about your fiscal, you know, situation and realities and, I don't feel like that's like always a area that friends and I kind of t- 
talk about. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I guess because it's a taboo statement, you know, people don't want to, like, like we talked about earlier, we don't want to peel back the curtain and see like, hey, nigga, you got how much debt? <laughs> like i mean it's funny too because like i'm the budget budgeter of my friends mm-hmm. so like i was showing i, I sent all my friends it's like this budget template for them to use to help them get their budgets in, in shape and like some of them called me to like go through their budget like, oh, you know how much i make i'm like i'm here yeah. <laughs> like, i'm like don't let y'all don't let don't be fooled i know i look like i do a lot i said just because I got a budget, y'all. Don't act like I said. When y'all see, <laughs> but I also I, the reason I like helping people with that, and even something like that, like you know, some people might feel like you shouldn't be doing that. Everybody didn't have whatever. But at the same time, like, why wouldn't I want my friends to have more money? Then we could do more stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And a, yeah. I think a budget for me, the way I always see a budget is like the way Dave Ramsey always says it. Like a budget lets you know where your money's going because there's like there's a concept that. If they talk about this, about your life, if you don't set goals for your life, your life is going to go anywhere. I think uh, there's a movie that has that quotes Nietzsche. And he talks about like, if you don't have goals, you bet you, you basically let your life be an accident. And that's the same thing with a budget. It applies to different things like a schedule. If you don't let, if you don't set time blocks and stuff like not really full time, like, but if you don't set certain stuff, your day just goes with the wind. And the same thing with your budget. If you don't set, if you don't tell you where, money, where your money is going, your money gonna find somewhere to be spent. Yeah. <laughs> so I tell, that's why I always tell people to budget. Like, get a budget. I'm telling y'all, if y'all think y'all think y'all good until y'all realize y'all spending all this money on fast food, yeah. or you find out you got a clothing shopping addiction. Like for mm-hmm. me, my budget, I had three hundred dollars <laughs> for buying clothes. And when I go back and look at the every old budget, month, yeah, remember oh. I told you I was in the fashion. Okay. But it, it sounds like a lot, but when you buy an expensive stuff, it's not. Like yeah. three, like one month, it'd be like a jacket. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, like my little big jacket. Because I bought it. you Joy. Huh? I bought you Joy. Heck yeah, I had some. I still got, I got to get rid of all them <laughs> shoes I still got in the closet. Hey, shout out. Hey, listen. Anybody who in a, fa- who in a fashion bag and need to save money, I'm going to give y'all two, three places. That's fire. Nordstrom Rack. And it's fire, but now it's kind of like, it's known now, so now it's kind of, the, you know, the club's been shot up, but it's still fire if you can get in there on the good. You got to find out the days that they drop the stuff. You go those days. Depop and Poshmark. Fire pieces every time. Never question. I've got so much heat. try Thrift It Up? That's a newer one, huh? Is it? Yeah. I haven't been there yet. It has really good things on there. I tried doing it once, like, with my clothes, but you know how you just never follow through? <laughs> But I have shopped on there before. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. cool. Like I said, those, those, uh, I don't remember who did it first, but whoever started those online thrifting shops, shout out to them. That shit was fire. That, yeah. that's where I got that Sesame Street jacket from. Oh. I don't know if you've seen oh. it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Fire. $100. <laughs> <laughs> the best $100 I've Was I'll that spend. you that told me about the guy that, like, has a meeting with his family every month? And like teaches them about like financial stuff. I don't know if it was me, but that sounds um, kind of fire. Yeah, there's this guy who like have family meetings with his um parents, his siblings, and like his cousins in his fire. in his age range. And he kind of just checks their books for them, and then teaches them like a new financial <laughs> skill or tool that they can utilize. I need to do that. Yeah, I need to become that man because my family sucks with money. I would go to that kind of uh, accountability workshop. 
I love I love shopping. Online shopping and doing hauls are probably one of my worst habits in terms of spending. You know, this is the thing too about a budget that people don't realize. At least when I describe and help people with a budget, I'm not ever here to like shame you for what you spend. And not that I I would. And some people, because some people, I think that's why people get so fearful to show their numbers because they feel they're going to feel shame and how much they might be spending in a certain area. For me, I'm like, listen, if you, if I find, if we do your budget and you're like, man, I don't got no money, you find you spend $700 on clothes, it's more like there's nothing wrong with that. It's only wrong when you start using credit cards and you run out of gas and stuff like that. You know, that's when it comes a problem. It's more like, or you can't feed yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like the thing is like, okay, if you spend $700 and that's something that you really do, could you do that with $400 a month? Will $400 a month be enough money to, to buy clothes all month? They'd be like, is it yes or no? Do you need more or less? And, and like with everything else, cause like, I think the problem that I always run into is that people will spend all this money on clothes, but you don't pay yourself, which means put money into the bank, put money into your savings account. So it's like you spent $700 on clothes, but how much money did you give yourself? He's like, what do you mean? I bought the clothes. Like, but how much money did you give yourself? <laughs> you know, and that, that's, that's all my thing is like, I don't care what you do with the money after you put money into your savings and paid your bills. It's just more. Did you do those things? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's this guy on TikTok. He only buys from brands that he has, like, stock in. That's fire. And I was like, I'm going to get, like, that one day. Yeah, that's a, he got that from Warren Buffett. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, Warren Buffett. Uh, some, I remember some guy made the, he said, if you, if a guy who, we, we can get off this, but there was a guy <laughs> was saying that, like, if you took, instead of buying a pack of cigarettes a day, if you took that money and invested that in a cigarette company that you were buying cigarettes from, especially at the time when cigarettes are popping, you would have made enough money to smoke for the rest of your life. <laughs> you know, after Very short years, life. That's, yeah, that's, not right. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. Well, Cause you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy. I think people spend like a hundred dollars a month on cigarettes at, at, at its peak. And this is back when it was like, everybody was smoking. So it's like, if you spent, if you put a hundred dollars a month into Winston or whatever, whatever the cigarettes, Marlboro, you would have made so much money, but just how it goes. Invest what you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I invest all the stuff that I know. I only got a little bit, but <laughs> anyways. Yeah, guys. Um how was your hot take? Yeah. Got a hot take? Wanna hot take? Nah, it happened today. No hot take. Nope. Just lots of hot takes in the classroom, but we're gonna <laughs> keep it off the record. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I think I feel like I had a hot take, but I, I feel like I liked your hot take so much I've lost it. Mm-hmm. I think we'll stick with the hot take. That was a pretty good hot take, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh we call them queer platonic friendships. Yeah. Get you, get you, get you, get you, get you a buddy. Make life together. <laughs> That's funny. But um, we got some topics today. We wanted to talk about. But before we get into all that, um, you want to start it off with the Mariah Carey and her Queen of Christmas. Well, Ariel posted the. She shared with us the video. And I, it made me think of a question, actually, but we'll all preface with what Ariel shared, which is, I guess last year there were a lot of memes of Mariah Carey being the Christmas queen, Queen of Christmas, mm-hmm. basically, because who doesn't know her Mary, her Christmas song? But um, you don't know, you under a rock. <laughs> so she, so she does a video posted on Instagram, but I didn't, ha- I didn't listen to the audio because we were in our meeting. So was it her to her song? 
So it was her song playing in the background, and she was singing her high note, and the ice ice broke broke around her, and she was like, "Fire." <laughs> It was great. So she lived out the memes. Yeah, she lived out the meme of her like defrosting on um on a Halloween, which I love. Um, (laughs) So the question is: Is it too early to be listening to Christmas music? Absolutely not. After Halloween, like November first. Yeah. Not no. Okay. Okay. What about you, Uzi? What do you think? Me. Yeah. I mean, I I was in the uh, what was it? September. I was uh, (laughs) a. I, I came home one night after a party. I think it was September 28th, actually, to be exact. <laughs> I came home. I got me a margarita, and I put on some Christmas music. <laughs> I sat in my room and listened to Christmas music and and drank and drank a margarita. I don't know. I, I once it get cold for me, it's on. <laughs> so okay, so maybe that's maybe it's not a hot take, but I yeah, I'm here for Christmas music year round. Yeah. But especially the day after Halloween is fair. Yeah. But there are, are Christmas Scrooges out there that say you, sh- you can't play Christmas music until December 1st. Mm. I mean, but there's also the same people who leave their lights up until New Year's. So that's fine. Well, I mean, well past Till New Valentine's. Year's. There was this post this girl posted um, yesterday, and it was pretty much like, I don't ignore Thanksgiving. And that was like the headline. And she breaks down like her schedule for the next two months oh wow and it's just like uh november 1st christmas decorating festivities all that stuff thanksgiving and then christmas <laughs> she's like see i don't ignore thanksgiving i acknowledge it i yeah. celebrate it i mean for my thing you know i I, always, I remember when i was younger i always tripped out on that because i do feel like thanksgiving i guess it kind of gets a shine but as soon as thanksgiving over it's like a wrap Chop, chop. Go ahead, bust out the tree. Yeah. And to even at when I used to work at a Save Mart, we would bust out the Christmas trees before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Because people were buying the Christmas trees before Thanksgiving, so it's like. Yeah, and it provides an atmosphere for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, like, I mean, I don't, I don't got no horse in the race, so I'm not tripping on it. But I'd be thinking that, like, so y'all got the Christmas tree right next to the turkey. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> we we do. Christmas too, though. No, and I'm not saying this is more like. You know, there's the pumpkin turkey, oh, okay. and then there's the Christmas. You know, there's like yeah, the, there's yeah. like the table mm. with the little fall decorations. Yeah, and there's the Christmas, but it's like no, you got the you got the fall decorations with the Christmas tree in the background, yeah. half decorated, and the turkey. <laughs> Thanksgiving is the pre-Christmas dinner. Yeah, but also I think if we could, if we, if we, if it's more of like a week of thanks mm. instead of a day of thanks, because you know it's got these. It's got this mixed kind of energy between Indigenous People's Day and, you know, the actual atrocity towards Native people. And I feel like it should be, one, we should acknowledge that, but, like, have a week of acknowledging and giving thanks to family and heritage and land. Um, But, like, yeah, if we could just, like, have more time to indulge then I think Thanksgiving would get more, you know what I mean? Like quality time. Yeah. I, I I feel like, I feel like the reason why maybe, and this is something I'm just thinking of right now in a moment. I said, I wonder if it's because black Friday is right after Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. There was a black Friday yesterday. Wild. Yeah. I, I just got an email 
early Black Friday sale, Best Buy. Okay. I hate it. <laughs> it's a whole month now. I hate it. So yeah, it did. It did wipe out the whole energy for Thanksgiving. Yeah, because yeah. like we know what Black we're not buying gifts for Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. So it's like I feel like I remember like Thanksgiving was dope, but what really people was like, I gotta go home, y'all. Black Friday, man. Hey, think about that. By the way. This generation will never know. Remember when people was getting killed at Walmart? Yes, uh, getting trampled. Bro, before Astro World was Walmart <laughs> on Black Market. I mean, on Black bruh, Friday. And multiple people. I'll never forget that lady said she was, <laughs> but she was like, you know, in the front, and everybody ran over her. She died. Well, she didn't say that, obviously, but they said, and I'm like, yeah. And then the, the guy, the lady who bare maced that guy for the Xbox 360. Man. What a, what a world we was living in. Yeah, <laughs> so, what a time. Yeah, maybe we do need that week then. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, so people can feel like content and grateful to what the things they have. But then that works against our world system that we're in right now. So, yeah, interesting. People you know, won't make money. Black Friday was about trading just as much as it was about buying and selling. Yeah. I feel like it could be a more, you know, especially because back in times where native people i think had you know more presence on the land trading was way more of how they you know economically sustained themselves and i think it would be great to bring back honor and reverence to that and try to fight capitalism through blending other other way other methods but i want to get on that tip so bad like <laughs> i'm a capitalist so <laughs> I'm trying to make the money. Baby. Well, my well, thing both is like, and can't exist. But no, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, Ariel. Oh, it's okay. I was just saying, like, I just want to dismantle. Yeah, <laughs> like let's burn just, it all down. Let's just trade it. Trade our skills, our you know, resources. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, that, actually, I like that style of of, of community because my 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 boy is Vietnamese. Shout out to Chris. And he was talking about like when he went to, when he went to Vietnam, it's, it's like that like everybody kind of works together in a community. And at the end of the day, they get faded and then they go back. Like they get faded as a community and they go back to work the next day like nothing happened. And even in in Mexico, and I don't know how true this is everywhere, but I was watching a video about it like because I was learning. I, um, I can't remember, but early in the year I did a day, I did a month where I didn't make, I made everything from scratch, like learn how to make, you know, refried beans, all that. Make, like, make everything from scratch just to understand, like, the life cycle of food in different cultures. So I, I started with Mexico because I love Mexican food. And watching the videos about how all that stuff, like, works, like, how, like, there's a, you know, there's a tortilla person who makes the tortillas for all the all the restaurants in the city. And then, like, the farmers. And then there's, like, um, the person who knows how to, like, uh, like, sew and stuff like that and how they do stuff for certain different people and, like, yeah, there's there's money involved when it comes to like you know people walking through and buying the food and stuff like that. But as far as the business, the B two B, the B two B was all like a like a trade system where it's like, I'll give you tortillas if you you know fix our shoes, mm-hmm. and if you know if you fix our shoes, we'll do you know it's like trade in that sense. And I thought that was fire. Yes, like I, I and I, I do think it's fire. That's an era I wish I could have lived in. Yeah, I mean, that's the era I want to bring back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not I. <laughs> I want the money. <laughs> I don't want to do nothing. 
Well, I that's want... true too. Like uh, yeah. <laughs> right now, you can make money with just sitting and sleeping, which is pretty cool. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's my childish, but yeah. <laughs> Just being honest. Ali's like, just being yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's not literally doing nothing. Like, I, what about everybody else? Yeah, it's, it's not about doing nothing. Like, it's just more. You know, like I live in the. I, I for me, like what I do is I still barter. I do something in the digital age. Yeah. But this, this the tender that we use is money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in this in this economy. Yeah, that, you know, I think you the gotta, biggest, You got to chase the bag. I think what the you, you, we can bring up the Keith Lee, what you said. Um, and we can go into that because I feel like that's a good com- conversation about capitalists and it kind of goes back, tied back to our conversation last week about tips, which is if you guys don't know, Keith Lee is going through Atlanta like Thanos and destroying businesses. <laughs> not purposely. Yeah, I know, not, 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 not purposely, but not, not purposely, but like he's, you know, cause I love Keith Lee. He's like one of my favorite uh, social media stars in a long time. But if you guys haven't known, he's been going to Atlanta and reviewing businesses. And I've never been to Atlanta, but I've heard these things about Atlanta that Atlanta restaurants have these crazy rules that people just put up with because they're the they're the popular restaurants. Yeah. So he's been going he's been going to these restaurants and doing what he does where he has his family go in and that way they get the true experience like that. And he just explains his experience and these businesses are getting flack from rest of America. Cause like what the, and then not to mention the people in the community of Atlanta are saying like, we even try to tell you <laughs> like, I don't know. I can't, I wish I, I wish I had the clip and I wish I could pull it up. I'll probably pull it up while you guys give it peace because there's a clip that's so funny. This dude like getting so mad. Cause he literally like, he's like hella charger. He's like, he said, that's what y'all get. I told y'all, I, I told y'all, hey, the real milk and honey, that's what y'all get. Because I told you, my homie was in the car. You couldn't let us sit there. He was getting so mad. But it shows the frustration, and it, he's been uh, letting it out. And before I get into, into it, I want to know, like, how do you guys feel about, have you guys seen the Keefley yeah. Atlanta thing? No? I just, no. But I just looked it up real quick. <laughs> it, it reminds me of when Gordon Ramsay came out here mm. and reviewed, um, he did the, uh, he was doing like makeovers, like restaurant makeovers. Oh, yeah. And he did a restaurant makeover for Sandra D's. Mm. Do you remember that? No, but that sounds like something he'll do. Do you remember Sandra D's? It's, the name sounds familiar, but no, I've probably never been there. It was like, the, it, it was like the one soul food restaurant in Midtown mm. before we had fixins, mm. before we, we had really, I don't know, I guess South was there. But now it's not anymore. Like before, a lot of the other soul food inspired restaurants started popping up. It was primarily like Sandra D's, and it was not a good episode. She did end up going out of business, even though she got everything made over and renovated. So, but up to par, up to par visually, but. Why was I bringing this up? I was that you were asking about the Keith Lee food reviews. It reminds me of that because, you know, it's unfortunate it takes media attention for businesses to change. But I don't feel bad if he's if he's I mean, if but if businesses are getting flack for his honest reviews, like I'm. I'm grateful to him because, <laughs> you know, no one should have to. The thing is, isn't it the worst when you have like your favorite 
foods at your favorite restaurant, but the restaurant service is trash. And it's like, I don't want to spend my money here, but I can't get this anywhere else. (laughs) Like the white satin cake at Rick's Dessert Diner. They no longer have the counter by slice, but (laughs) peace. Anyway. Hyper specific. Right. (laughs) have a few restaurants where we've had that moment but there was like an exception with the rule with that was jamaican restaurants <laughs> oh my they were gosh. like if it doesn't have bad service it doesn't I'll, have good food. i was about to say that someone made the point that this like jamaican restaurants is like the opposite like i want to go to jamaican restaurant if i go to a jamaican spot i want to be disrespected because yeah. you know the food is good yeah they don't care about me they care about the food so yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's where, like I said, it's funny that you said that because somebody little was saying that. And I've I, I never been to a Jamaican restaurant, so I never knew that. I never correlated those together. Mm-hmm. But the, the Molly? <laughs> oh, bye. Uh, it was nice meeting you. Yeah. My that's thing was with um, Candy, like her response to the old lady gang review like she did one on instagram and it was really short and sweet and like we will love to have you back and apparently people were like girl you're not addressing the fact that you know you weren't going to sit these people like (laughs) and so i guess on tiktok she apparently did a longer like response but i don't know what she said audio but this is the the dude that had me crying this is his review. His this is his response to Keith Lee. <laughs> I don't like that either. Like they've like, oh, your whole party's not here because we can't sit you. Well, you, did you hear the rules? No, I didn't hear the rest of the rules for that place. Bruh, the rules that they gave him was this: they gave the family was that because they wanted to order to go, they couldn't order to go because they just weren't doing it. To order, you have to sit down. So okay, boom, we'll get a table. They get the table, and they said they had to get off a flight, so they was going in, and you know, people going in and out because they were trying to make sure they reservations are set up and everything like that, answering on the phone. And they tell them you can't order nothing until you sit down, and not just food. They couldn't order no water, didn't get no, they couldn't wow. get no juice, they couldn't get nothing. So everybody sat down, and then when they sat down to order, they told them that once y'all order, there's no add-ons. So like, if you order whatever you order, that's it. <laughs> Yes. I've been to a restaurant like that before. Huh? I've been to a restaurant like that before. Not the can't or can't order anything. It was just like once you do your one order, that's it. Yeah, that's wild to me. I'm so sorry. It was a soul food restaurant. I I, I well I get it. I think it's wild. Yeah. I think it's wild. I I get the I get it from being you know my family had a restaurant. I get it because it's like if you ordered a big order, say you have a table of five and you order all your food, and then you know. If, 
five, 10 minutes later, you put in your order. People don't, the problem that people always, we run into is that people don't realize that your order is now behind another table's order. <laughs> you know, like, like, where's my order? I was like, well, you, if you ordered the rest of your food, all your food that came out, but you ordered after. So now we got two tables ahead of you for your little one order and that causes own friction. But to not let nobody put an add on any, that's crazy. This is more, I feel like that's more a conversation. Like it's letting you know, like if you put it in, it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're it's not just understandable. Yeah. We're not red Robin. We're not, we're not busting down yeah. onion rings. Part of, their, <laughs> part of their reason was like some things are made to order mm-hmm. and they didn't want to slow down. Like, Mm-hmm. All the other stuff. And I was like, okay, we just want to order as much as we, our eyes yeah. want to order. Yeah. <laughs> My thing is like, and I, I, re- I'm not mad at, I'm not mad at the rules because I mean, some of those rules were outlandish. So the, the rules are outlandish, but I also under, I also feel like you know when I, the way I understand is the rules stem from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they made the rules first. Usually, something happened, and then the rules was made. So I just understand like usually establishments are a reflection of like what they've been through and that that sucks so you can't order water <laughs> well i mean cause i don't i've i'm glad i've been places before we we all sit down and you leave after you get your- <laughs> well you know people order their drinks and stuff like that and then they go we don't got this we don't got this we don't got this it's like we're out of here <laughs> oh yeah so like i mean i'm not saying that's what happened but that can be frustrating and i've been on the other side of that too is frustrating when it's like we don't got no waffles today she did a little murmur. Okay, thank you. <laughs> like this full table of waters and stuff. Like that's just part of the. That, I mean, that's what I'm saying. But I guess, or that you never know. I don't know. I don't know what they. I don't know what happened. Yeah. But I do. I at the end of the day, like you said, I think it's fair that people should know what the experience is like, and you get to vote with your dollars. Well, I'm support. Yeah. Okay, you can have those rules. I just won't show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was also good to have the people have a voice, basically. Mm-hmm. It was just what he, like, that's his brand, mm-hmm. is giving the average person a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are coming at him because they're like, you're not even a food critic. You don't have no credentials. You don't. You never went to, like, school about food, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, that's not the purpose of his content. His purpose is to be an a average person sharing their opinion about food and, mm-hmm. and letting you know, like, you want to try it out? This is how I felt about it, you Not know? Not mention, like, when, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's such a dumb argument because, like, there's a lot of people who aren't like that. Stephen, oh. Stephen A. Smith is a, I know, right? Mm-hmm. Stephen A. Smith is a, never played basketball. No, is it Stephen A. Smith? No, Skip Bayless ain't never played a sport in his life, but he's he's able to analyze sports and tell people who are trash, stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. like come on now, like, that don't make, it don't make, I get it, but I don't because just because I never, just because I'm not a food critic don't mean I can't know when food is nasty yeah. or know when a rule is unjustifiable. Right. But the reason I brought it up was because you said about the capitalists. Like, I feel like some lady had talked about, she's like, she's like, yeah, Atlanta's like the, like the most capitalist place ever. <laughs> you know, like she was talking about those places, like those places are usually understaffed, but then the price of the food is so high. It's like, it's, it's all for a margin to make more money. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true or not, but like you said, that's like the, that's where I always feel ba- get mad about capitalism. Cause like when people take it to the extreme, we're like, I'm just trying to make money at any cost. And I don't yeah. care. Like people going to show up regardless. Like I think that's fucked up and I don't think that's right. Cause I think you can hire a good staff and still make money. You just, it's going to be look, look a little different. You got to put more work in, but that's the, 
Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people are speaking about speaking out about how they put celebrities in like and stuff before people all the time. And so like his few experiences around like him getting out the car compared to his family going in and then like, oh yeah, we can seat you or yeah, we can make something. And him like denying it was just like proof like, okay, that is a thing normally there. Yeah. I mean, we, we've had celebs that Chef Paul's, but I guess the thing is I've never, we've never had a situation where somebody walked in and we put them ahead of somebody else. We had people call like we're going to be coming. And then that's like, okay, we're going to make, that's just like a regular reservation. We're going to make room. But I don't think, I think, I think that, like we said, like it's an hour wait, but here come Keith Lee and there might be a table ahead of you. We ain't going to put you in that table and not the other people. Like that, that's, that's grimy. Yeah. That's what they were doing. And I've also (laughs) seen that. I've also seen that happen. My not even celebrities, like even on like a more, um, what do you say? Like inner city level, like you got homies and he like, don't worry about it. I got the hookup. And you go oh. in there and people waiting. It's like, <laughs> how they get up in here? Community, remember? We have to look out. <laughs> gotta look out for our friends. Hey, listen, I, listen. I, I'm not mad at, but I'm not mad at it fully. But as a consumer, so how you like? Yeah. If I'm being like you said, you waiting you're something to do. Like I'm waiting outside in the heat, and these people just walked out of nowhere. They yeah. sat down. You like, oh no, what, what, what's going on? Now? That's the skill and resource that they have <laughs> that they're <laughs> training. Yeah, I'm, cause, cause, I'm not mad at it because some people do have that back room where it's like, yeah. no, bro, I, they going somewhere completely different. Y'all going, bro? They got the hook. Yeah, <laughs> that's fire. But how did you guys? How do you guys feel about that? Like, do you feel like people should have that much weight when it comes to a business? You know. Like, like as far as like Keith Lee, do you feel like they? I mean, it's dope what he does. Not, I think I don't think he does anything wrong. But how do you feel about like someone like Keith Lee? Lily can make or break a business. Or is he putting businesses out of business? Is that what you meant by the Thanos metaphor? <laughs> he's not. I'm not saying I'm not gonna say they're out of business. But you know, when you tell somebody that the, the company you know has bad service. Yeah. So apparently, he has like a worldwide, like global following and a lot of people fly from other countries other states to try the restaurants that he gives great reviews to and so now there's been people online who are like oh i was about to visit atlanta um next month i'm definitely not going there anymore so things like that are happening for those not to mention like review bombing so yeah even though he encouraged them not to do it you know people still do it people don't do it they just just fanatics and that's what i said like it's kind of uh, I don't feel bad for him. I, I, I mean, I'm sad for him, but well, I, it, that's what happens. Like integrity matters. Like what you're doing when no one's looking matters. And so just cause the spotlight's not on you and everyday people are coming and complaining about your policies, you know, now that somebody who has a bit more social capital is complaining, it matters. I feel like it should have mattered when you start to hear a number of complaints from your customers that you serve if you're in this to serve us and not just make money. Yeah. And if you're in it just to make money, then you deal with that. Then you deal with the repercussions of, you know, I don't know, moving from that place, which is potentially losing all your money. Yeah. And I don't feel like, like I said, let me ask y'all, do y'all feel like he doing, he's doing anything wrong? No. no. He's doing what he's always done. Like yeah. he's a regular guy who likes eating and trying restaurants and he's speaking up for another He's doing person. his job. Yeah. 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 Why? Do people feel like he's wrong? Like, 
I mean, if you ask the right person that question, they might feel like he's wrong. He's being an influencer. Is it because he he's black and like? Well, you know, some people feel like why post the bad reviews? <laughs> why no, not? That's, that's some people's. That's some people's real reaction. People like, probably if, wouldn't if believe him if he if only. Don't post, yeah, that's what he said. Like, if I don't post the bad reviews, then y'all think I'm just happy go lucky, positive, positive. But if I post bad reviews and like, dang, why are you bashing this business? This and that, whatever. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think he's wrong. I think you by know, posting both experiences, that's what you're supposed to do. But some people feel like if you had a bad experience, like I've been, I've been through that in the in the waiting business, where it's like, if you had a bad experience, like people get mad because it's always like a when it comes to reviews, it's always skewed. People are quick to make a bad review, but people don't have that same energy to make a good review. I could, I could see that because it's like there, it's it when you're. Making a bad review, you're, I mean, qualifying why to not go somewhere. And it makes me think of this other food influencer in L.A. I think he's called L.A. Try Guy. And he tries all of these different foods. And if it's not a good food, he's he tries it, but he doesn't say, you can tell what when he's impressed and you can, and you can tell when he's just like, Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't expose anybody. That's what I was trying to say. It doesn't expose anybody. It just is like, okay, this is an honest review. You could tell it's not one it's not something he's gonna recommend. Yeah. But he'll try it. And this is his honest reaction. Yeah. You know, but when you're when you're like Keith Lee essentially exposing restaurants, I could <laughs> see how people would be like, that's that's going further than you have to go with the influence that you have. I don't know. But, I feel like that's what that's what's needed, though. I mean, yeah, I feel like if if for certain restaurants and businesses, it's their karma. And I feel like if you're if you really are as good as your legacy holds up, then you'll make the changes and be able to maintain, you know, the clientele or new clientele. I don't know. Well, and it, it be like I you said. I don't know if you saw. Well, you didn't see about it. So like after he made, so he made the review about the real milk and honey, and then. The real Mugga Honey made it. Uh, they made a response video where basically it was like a mom, the mom, him, and the daughter, and the mom was just like, "Did you see what Keith Lee said?" And he was like, "Keith Lee, who's Keith Lee?" And the daughter's like, "You don't know who Keith Lee is? Everybody knows Keith Lee is." He's like, yeah, like he kinda, don't care. Yeah, they kind of like dissed him, shaded him. Yeah, but the thing to me is like, <laughs> well, I think that's funny. It shows uh, apathy for the experience for the customer because. He, yeah, he's making that point, but he's making the point that if that was a regular customer, that's what they would have to go through. Like, if I went to Real Milk and Honey that day, that would have been me. I can't order online because the app is down. I go in there. You tell me I have to sit down and, and order, but to sit down and order, I have to wait an hour and a half in my car. Can't be in the building. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, <laughs> and then they came out with an apology letter after that. I bet they did. I was like, you already ruined yourself. Like, You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And I, again, I get it. Small staffs, you know, that's just what comes. We have situations like that where it's like an hour wait, and it's like there's nothing we could do. It's just an hour wait. Like it's not like we're you see the the business is packed, but they were just saying like it didn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, I just I don't know. I thought it was funny, but again, that that's when you talking when you got talking about like destroy capitalism. If y'all talking about that type of stuff, yeah, yeah, get that about it. Okay. Because for me, I don't. That's new. That's like that's just greedy. Being, being greedy <laughs> but i did want to talk about i know you you brought we, we were talking about this week about um 
about like students while we're on the, the thought of apathy like students aren't loving school as much as they should yeah i don't know well like in our realm right now it's a little chaotic because we have at the csu um our contract is under negotiation and so basically if we can't come with come to an agreement with the chancellor uh we'll be going on strike and so it's an exciting time it's a confusing time because i only know i know now what we're fighting for i'm getting more informed every day Mm -hmm. but there's an energy around like teachers right now that I wonder if it's affecting why students don't like school, you know, or if it's, we are all not liking school because the system is malfunctioning and it's finally catching up to itself. Fresno schools are on on, on strike right now. Are they? Yeah. My friend's, my friend's son wasn't at school and I'm like, why is your friend at, why is they not at school? And they were just like, yeah, they're on strike. So they said it was optional if you want to bring your kid in or not. The teacher's on strike. So. I must, it must be something in the water. <laughs> you know, it has to be. So So what are they striking about? Well, right now, there's a number of things. It's wage equity. It's, you know, especially for people like me, I'm probably the lowest on the totem pole of faculty. And so making it more fair for us that we don't have to piece together a salary at multiple schools because we're working double time, if not triple time, if not quadruple time, what a full-timer has to, has to work. A full-time teacher out of college is teaching anywhere from two, three, four, five classes, maybe six. Mm-hmm. But I'm teaching 11. And that's, that's a max. Like, that's really what people shouldn't be teaching. You shouldn't teach that many classes. I would say, like, eight, nine is probably a more normal heavy load for an adjunct. Yeah. And that's even a lot. Maybe even six is probably four to six would be more comfortable for most teachers. Yeah. So it's that we shouldn't have to be in the position where we have to piece together schedules to make a income that's satisfactory to us. We should be able to make decent money where we're at. And it's a problem because you've got administrators who are getting salary raises. You've got, we have a new president at Sac State who has a pretty nice salary. And so there's money for them to get raises, but there's not enough money for them to give us a, you know, full semester off when we need parental leave, um, you know, to give us again, like, I think we're looking at a 15% wage increase that we're asking for um, because they're doing like a 5% tuition. I think it's 5% tuition increase on students at every year or every, sem- I think every year, maybe every semester I'm wrong. Um, so I won't, but yeah, it's a number of different things. Yeah. So, um, and there's also stuff like having lactation rooms for breastfeeding, um, instructors having, um, it says safe gender inclusive restrooms and changing rooms, having provisions for us when we interact with university police on our campuses. Like there's all sorts of things where, we're not protected. There's no systems in place to help us so that we can help the students. Uh, but if you think about even like COVID, and I said this with my students, 
in COVID, people consider frontliners only to be the people uh, in the healthcare field or people who were running food or in food service. But it w- I would argue that it's also teachers because we had to develop a whole new skill set without being paid, without proper, real f- proper training. Yeah. And now we have the whole repercussion of COVID to deal with mm-hmm. and figure out without proper pay again, without support from administrators. And we have students that lack motivation and desire to be in school because it's expensive and because they feel like degrees don't mean anything. So it's an, it's, it's an exhausting environment to be working in right now. It's interesting to be at your dream job, but it not be everything you ever dreamed of. (laughs) Um, you know, it's very sobering. (laughs) (laughs) That's life right there. Yeah. I totally relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to um yeah talk about why students are hating school like I don't know I've asked some of my students and I'm curious if y'all have friends that might dislike school or particularly college but some of my students are like I don't like school because of the homework like I don't want to have to do all that work I don't like school because of having to balance all the time and I if I had if it were up to me I would rather not be in class I would rather be working or rather be spending my time doing something else. Um, or I can learn everything online. I don't really need to be here to learn information. I have an argument to that though, is how do you know that where you're learning your information from is credible, especially if where you learn your information mostly comes from online. Yeah. So anyway, these are a couple of things that are coming up in my class and I'm like, school's really not that bad. It's, it's really not that bad y'all you know like you got space to f up you got space to change your mind you have space to ask for help you have space to get funding for the things that you can't afford yourself but you complain about not wanting to do the work that affords you those resources and that space and that time to really like ease into becoming an adult or ease into what it is you want to do for your career ease into just life um it, it, I don't know. It's discouraging when students can't just appreciate that. And as a result, appreciate the experience you're building for them in class. Just makes the work so much harder. You know? I, w- I will say this, and this is someone to give you all full context. This is someone who is not the most pro school <laughs> and not That's that I'm against school. Yeah. It's just, I, I see a lot of chinks in the armor. That is the, the, the higher education right now. Mm-hmm. And to your point about, like you saying about, you know, for a, for a full time teacher, like four to six classes is like is a, is like the average load, and then like you know, like eight eight is high, eight is like high, and eleven is like too much. When I see like some of my friends take a heavy caseload of classes that they have to take, and I ask them like, if it's a lot, why are you taking them? Well, for financial aid, you have to take so many credits and things like that. So I feel like for students as well, there's a heavy load in that sense. Like I. To even afford me to go to college, I have to take a heavy load of school of classes already. And then on top of that, there's like a disconnect with the with the teacher because the teacher only worry about their class. They're not worried about the other six classes that you might have. Yeah. So, that calculus homework you're doing in public speaking right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's what I'm saying. So it's like, yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, you're trying to their kids are also in their own, they're kind of in their own thing where it's like, I'm trying to, I, you know, I got to work and do school, but also my teachers want to give me 
you know, all this work and expect all these things from me. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's the, the, it's the fact that it's so much at once. So it's like, yeah, your calculus teacher wants you to be the best in calculus, but your PR teacher also wants you to be the best at PR, PR. and all your other teachers want you to be the best in the situation. That's a lot depending on one person every semester for four to six years. And then that's just the beginning of your journey. Like mm-hmm. I can see why somebody would be like, why I feel like a lot of people get to the point where it's like, this is just a means to an end. I don't like my cousin was talking about, I don't care if I, I just want to get a B bro. Honestly, like I'm not looking for the A. If I get a C, it is what it is. Like I'm just trying to do what I need to do. Cause I got work. I'm moving. And I got all these classes I got to take. And they're like accelerated classes on top of that. So it's like, you know, I see the apathy from the student's perspective because I talked to a lot of my friends who are students. And it's like, it's not ever the one class. It's the totality, it's of, the totality of, of the workload of going to school on top of that I have to afford it because now my financial aid is running out and this is now whatever. And I still got to go to work and deal with the work shenanigans. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> I, I did have a student this week tell me, we do work too. Yeah. And I was like, there i know yeah but i have to i have to remember like this is my work Mm -hmm. so it's like it feels so it for me weighs differently and Mm -hmm. i it does get lost on me sometimes but i do try to remain you know like empathetic at least Mm -hmm. but yeah it's hard when you want your students yeah to be the best speakers and you forget about the fact that they got to be also competent (laughs) in their math and their english and but my class tends to get the pushed last, last. And so I've been going kind of hard on my students this semester. But shout out to them because they have, for for the complaints that I'm talking about, this is more just like a general attitude. Mm-hmm. My students, there are a good amount of students that are showing up and are motivated mm-hmm. and are grateful and appreciative. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just an interesting trend to see the retention is not the same. Mm-hmm. Like students will give up and drop out of a class or college a lot faster than I feel like they did pre COVID. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's like this, something in the water of this, of school sucks and it's worth it to give up and, you know, I mean, what do you, how do you think about it? What do you think about it? Are you in school? No, I've been going to like information nights for grad school. Nice. I don't think I'm going to do it. No? <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> Why not? I was looking at the financial part of it. Mm. And I, has even, I haven't even, I'm behind on my first payment of student loans that just went back in. I was like, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but they defer if you go back to school. I know that was part of the reason too. I was like, oh, like I'm already interested in going into grad school. Like perfect timing. Mm-hmm. um but to your sentiment about like that is a good space for them to explore their interest and like um maybe even make those lifetime bonds and like network and there there is funding out there available for them to access and stuff like that but like you said like people are working some people are parents um some people are taking care of their parents you know depending on what generation they're in and all the other life happenings, right? So it's kind of like, do they even have the capacity to go to the career center or go to the financial department and look into those resources that may be available to them? And then when they have that understanding what those resources are, do they have the time to apply for those resources or gather the stuff they need to even 
submit the stuff they need to to access those resources as well. So I think it's more of a capacity thing. And of course, like you said, like COVID does play a part in that because like our whole way of doing life has shifted. Um, but also a lot more has come with that, right? With societal pressures, um, navigating different systems outside of the the college institutions. It's just a lot that people are trying to navigate right now. And I think that school is just getting hit. Yeah, because, and that's also, it comes back to the strike too, because we're fighting for having the ability to have more time to support students. Because we are teaching so many classes, we end up stretched thin and we're not available to support and do some of that work for them. Yeah. You know, to connect them and make sure they have that information. Or if they don't have time to fill out the application, I'll fill it out for you and send it in. Just give me, let's fill it out after class. Like, we don't have the opportunity to do that, to build all of those relationships where, where they're really needed because our attention is in so many different places. So I, but yeah, I definitely hear that. And it's something that I uh, feel disheartened by in this work because I, I was able to really make the most out of college and I just want that for anybody that's going to school. I want them to be able to create their own success for themselves and feel empowered enough to, you know, get them exactly where they want to go yeah. to, to, to know who to ask and to build the relationships. But I, I, I get easier said than done. Yes. And I, I also worked on campus. You're in that la-la space I was in with the community. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm like, yeah, we can, we can make it happen though. Yeah. Education can be saved. Yeah. That's what I, I, I don't think I never felt like school was wrong. I just feel like for me, I'm gonna go to school one day, I'm gonna go to college, but I'm gonna go to college on my terms. I'm gonna take the caseload that I wanna take. And that's how I always see it. Cause I always wanna go to college, I wanna go to college for anthropology, but and Loki wanna go for uh architecture. That would be fine. But it's not that's something I wanna go to school for, but I'm not going to you know, do a whole bunch of other curricular classes that I don't care about on top of going to work five days a week on top of doing a podcast. I'm not going to play myself in that way, you know? Um, and I, I, it's like my friend CJ is a good example. Someone who's been going to college and I say this with a grain of salt, like no, nothing against him, but I feel like the systems at play have finessed him when it comes to college, you know, he went to city like you're supposed to do and then transferred, told to take these classes that will help you. He transfers. Oh, those classes don't transfer. But which, which, where, where did he transfer? He went from Fresno community to Fresno state. And they're saying like seven classes that he took, some happened and then it don't transfer. So you got to go back and finish these two classes. Then you can transfer. And then you deal with the outside sources of it where it's like, this company's like, well, yeah, we're working around your school schedule. And he gives you a school schedule. Like we can't work around the school schedule. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> That's what you said you do. So it's like that, that is a lot on top of his own pressures that he deals with on why he's even going to school. And I feel like, you know, I'll never tell him to drop out of school, but if he got to the point, like I can't do this no more, I can't fault him. Come on. That's a lot, bro. Like, yeah, you're trying to do your best and make this work. And it, it don't seem like, like you said, somebody's on your side to help you. It's more like, like the hands in the air, like, I mean, this is how it is. You got it. If you want it, like he said, with the financial aid, when he lost his financial aid for a little bit, I think, 
the they told him like, yeah, you gotta go do all this stuff. <laughs> and it's like, but also you got to keep going to class because you can't drop the class. <laughs> and you might have to pay. You, to pay you might have back. to pay like the first payment or something like that, and we'll reimburse you. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it. It's like the policies are what I feel like keep people from being happily engaged in education because even for CJ's classes to not to not transfer over, which is crazy for it to be from Fresno community to Fresno state, like their articulation agreement should be very clear. Mm -hmm. So there had to have been like a policy change inconveniently around the time that he was transferring, but still there should be things in place that where the priority is ensuring that students have a smooth and supported ability to, you know, pursue their success. And even, even sometimes maybe if there are, like, I don't know. I just have a vision. I am in La La Land because it's like, (laughs) even if they, if if students don't have the time for it, like there are certification programs, Mm -hmm. there are shorter versions. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I just wish those things were more normalized. I wish that like employers would be more supportive of people taking time off to do the studying so that they can be better quality uh, workers. But the other thing to me too is like, so if people, people don't eventually come around to appreciating education for what it is, teachers don't, don't get paid. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do if there is no school for people to go to, if there are no teachers to teach the schools, nobody to make the research, nobody to make doctors, nobody to teach the lawyers. Like, what are we going to do in that kind of day? So for me, it's, I'm just wanting an attitude shift about it because we're not getting paid. People are not going to school. And if we continue down that path, we're not going to have teachers and we're going to have a very dumb society. You're already down that path. I know. I know. (laughs) I feel like this, yeah. yeah, these generations behind us is like, they might wipe out school. (laughs) Like, even from, like, the K-12 level. Um, Good luck to the parents. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, though, like, I know, like, to get to, like, go more into, like, some, some solutions. You know, I feel like there's some things that are kind of, like, I don't understand why they're not a thing. So, example, like, when um, during COVID, lectures were, you know, either a recorded video or a live stream. I remember when I saw that, I said, why hasn't that been a thing way before COVID? Like, and I get it, like, at least from what I've seen from lectures, lectures are not, it'd be different if lecture was more like a back and forth for the students, but it'd literally be a teacher in front of the board and the students are just all watching, taking notes. If the lecture is that style, especially when you have, like, so many students in the class, why is that not just made a video and you watch that lecture? And I, I get it, like, there's, I get it, like, there's, there's a lot more at play than that, but you know, yeah, because we're not editors. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not videographers. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm you get what I mean? Not you, but the, the the school doesn't supply where it's like exactly. That's what I'm talking about. The school supplies, to it. supplies that to to do that because it's one of those things where it's like it's kind of I don't know. To me, it's like you know, you see the Harvard level like college courses, and you see like the big old lecture hall. And some guy even talked about he learned a lot of stuff because I guess he found out Harvard does post those videos. Mm-hmm. So he sits there and watches the Harvard lectures. I'm like, I remember thinking, I was like, why don't they do that often? Because <laughs> that would be kind of like fire. Like, yeah, yeah. And with, when COVID happened, you know, there, there was teachers giving lectures on online Zoom. My ex-girlfriend was doing Zoom calls. And I was like, in my head, I said, that it sounds like I would do school if Zoom was, if lectures were like that. Because 
then I can actually sit there and be engaged and be in a comfortable environment instead of being like, I got to get up eight o'clock in the morning and sit here and just be disheveled. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you can get it. And I feel like for the teachers, it'd be, a, I mean, but I guess it kind of goes against like the classes, but you can get all your students to watch the same video and not instead of each class, give the same lecture. You just get one powerful lecture and call it a day. I don't know. I, to me, that's how I see it. But again, I'm in my own La La Land where it's you know, like, that would be so much easier, not only for the students, but for the teacher too. Like, why give six lectures where you can give one good lecture and the students can then, now you can spend the rest of that time, like you said, giving back to the students instead of giving the lecture each day in each class. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, post-COVID, just because it was all that. Mm-hmm. Or at least not every- an option. Yeah, well, it's like live stream. Like also, the, like some people are in person, some people are watching. I think that would be a great option, but most of the times, like that's kind of what things were when we came back from COVID. And when students have the option to attend class, they're not going to attend class. Well, some people do prefer in person, though. Some do, mm-hmm. some do. So but, you have, you know. but the thing it that's true. But the thing is, like, I have a class right now that's in person, and. When people stop attending over time, it still affects the motivation of the students who are in-person learners. Mm-hmm. So the the smaller the class gets, the less engaged other students are, the less, you know, like effective the class is. So it's like you show you need, you either need to be showing up. And if we're going to be doing it online, being able to hold students accountable to actually watching the videos mm-hmm. is another layer of it is it sounds great in an ideal world but in practice that's students are not always working with integrity yeah so it's like yes we can if we can provide these things yes we do provide these things now but in offering it it does create more space for low integrity in the learning and low interaction because also there's the cameras off situation for online learning spaces there you know so it's like there are ways it's effective, but we've just yet to figure out where's the real sweet spot where we know students are showing up and not taking advantage of and instructors too. Yeah. Because instructors can take advantage of the online part of yeah. not so, responding. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know I'm just rambling. No, no, no. I, I totally get that too. Like, there's nothing to. It's an out of control environment, basically. Yeah. And yeah. some classes, like your class, public speaking, like you kind of want to do that in person, anyways. You need to. It, it's not like I teach public speaking online, and it's just not the same experience. Making my assignments also online friendly is not an easy process. So you know, it's and you're not really learning, and you're not, you know, because public speaking, like, okay, so say you gave them an assignment and they have to record themselves doing their speech or whatever they can record itself in their bathroom by themselves that's not you're not building up that grit to get in front of a crowd and speak like they get the skill of learning how to write a speech they get the skill of i think developing confidence especially a camera confidence eventually but yeah to your point of like actually getting the public part the public audience part the most you're going to get are your peers watching it and commenting below on what they thought so yeah. yeah, it's so to af- afford quality education, same quality class with different um modalities, 
is some that's the place in education where we're at is like trying to figure out how do we do that effectively yeah. and can it be done effectively that's but what, that's what i was saying like and i'm it's more like a not like completely get rid of the on-campus experience because i feel like that's the most important experience mm-hmm. i'm just talking about like using technology to kind of get rid of the, some of the redundancies that mm-hmm. i feel like you know that 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 you guys kind of run into like like say that's why i say use a lecture because i feel like lecture is the, is the main thing where it's like i don't get me wrong i've watched videos where the, the the you know the teacher is looking for participation and it's a back and forth and those are like the most dope lectures but i understand a lot of them aren't that you know mm-hmm. and like i feel like like my oh my girlfriend was taking uh my ex-girlfriend was taking science she had the online lectures but the labs you did them in person and especially it was during covid so it was like in pods so it's like you have your group, your you have your like research group, and you guys would go and do these labs and take the notes like that. But you just did the lectures online, and you did I think they even did the testing in person if, if I remember correctly. So it's like, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like post COVID going into lessening the caseload not only for you for the for the teachers but also for the students. I feel like taking advantage of technology when you can would be beneficial and like i get it like you said when it comes to like um i understand like there's the struggles with it like you said like the camera off you know you could just be just put it on and be doing this put the lectures on you know like it ends up being more work for us is more yeah yeah you know in terms of just classroom management and then also the development of those materials because we do have resources on campus that can help us record, help us caption our lectures and things like that. But the preparation to prepare an effective lecture in that manner. And also understanding that like not all instructors have this, the gift of lecturing. Some are better at facilitating like discussion and activity. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't go over quite as well if we're doing <coughs> an, uh, an asynchronous online class yeah. when people are coming in to do this activity on their own time mm-hmm. with, with, Sometimes certain learning experiences, yeah, we need here to be here in person. So yeah. hybrids are a good example of that. But we've been doing hybrids pre-COVID. We've been doing hybrids since COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, it's I have a, I have hybrids right now for public speaking. They have half of their content online and then they come into class to do speeches. But there's still a, a gap in that. They're just coming in to do speeches. And so. What you really need for a good public speaking class is like people to feel like a community, respect community. But if we're only meeting once a week just to deliver speeches, it's a lot harder to build that community, yeah. you know. And so they're a lot, a lot less invested, a lot less effective, I think, in in arriving at the growth that I I like to see my students arrive at. Not everybody's gonna grow exponentially, but I know what my students are capable of. Yeah. And hybrids make it a lot less possible for for me. But that's because in this case, our sorry, I'm sorry to be nerding out so much, but <laughs> that, I'll end it here. For us, our hybrids, half of the content is developed by another instructor. And so you've got me in person teaching, facilitating the speaking part, grading the speaking part, but that online stuff's not developed by me. And so there's a disconnect there. So it's just, it's, it's like... Yeah. And it's complicated also at the same time in terms of trying to figure out how do we make it easier on instructors, but make it easier. Mm-hmm. Ariel, am I making your brain hurt right now? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, for me, it's just, I get, I, like I said, I get excited about conversations like that because I think that's the 
that's the 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 point to solve at that point. It's like, yeah. how do you solve that? But it's just like first we're gonna solve y'all getting paid appropriately, mm-hmm. you know, and then maybe building a team around you. Yeah, that can do the technology part and get the digital materials together for you specifically to your, um, I guess approach to the concepts and stuff that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. Yeah, we have those, but they're like departments of three people, for the whole campus. Oh no! In this in twenty twenty three, that should not. Yeah, but then again, they're not paying nobody, so. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> fire you know on the retirement note just going out on a positive because we're talking about in 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 inequities and payment uh ariel showed uh shared with us a video or instagram post of this couple that bought what 55 or 51 back-to-back cruises because it was cheaper than going to a retirement home and i'm i'm trying to live that life exactly that's right too so 55 cruises yeah like yeah. just back to back it was just che- it was cheaper than them like staying in their home and cheaper than them going to like the retirement center that sounds crazy so lit amazing right they have this cruise where it's like a year year long and you go to the seven wonders of the world and cruise all around the world to the seven different continents and i really want to go on that it, it costs like I want to say a hundred thousand dollars, hundred fifty five thousand dollars, I think. So I feel like I feel like like my I don't know if it was my dad or somebody was talking about planning retirement every seven years for yourself, but I like the idea of not waiting until like this. I like where teaching's at. I don't know when I'm gonna retire. I, I don't know. I, I'm a, I need to retire while there's still a system. I wanted to do that with my ex. I was like, let's just sell all our furniture you know store the stuff that we absolutely want to keep at our parents house mm-hmm. and just travel for like a year and a half you know because we had the savings um we were developing some type of income so we could still have like spending money and stuff i'm like the mu- amount of money we put into rent we could put into paying for this travel expense right. and he was just like no what do i do with my playstation <laughs> <laughs> That's a valid point. I was like, you can bring it with you. What do you mean? We'll just get all the, you know, little converters and stuff. You can still play your game. But he's like a very like, I want to be near my family at all times person. So I was just Mm -hmm. like, okay. Because that's probably why we're nerd exes. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah. Plenty of retirement every seven years. There was this other post someone did recently. I reposted on Instagram, but... She was just like, they really talk about we supposed to work till we 65 <laughs> 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 and have 11 years of play when our bodies are like worn out and like tired. We don't have any energy anymore to do so anything. Dream. That's what I'm saying. Like, is this my time to go? That's, that's why it's funny. I read a lot of books. and One of the books, my favorite concept of retirement is micro retirements, mm-hmm. which is kind of like what you're talking about the seven years and then retire. I, I love the concept of, of micro retirements, which is basically like, you know, it's people might call it vacation but it's like a guy talks about it a lot of people who work for themselves do this where they call it uh they'll work like the first you know like the first uh six months they like that's where they do majority of their work and then when summer comes that's when they kind of like finish things off and then basically from july till december it's just like they do no work 
Yeah. I want to do that. They made majority of their that. money and stuff in the year. And like, that's the life that I'm always striving to get. Cause I'm like, I'm trying to get to the point where I'm like, yeah, that's, that's ideally how I want to live too. Yeah. Like I want to like work maybe six months, five months a year. And then like during this time, I really feel, I was like, why are we like the only creatures that don't like hibernate? Like, like and not necessarily sleeping, <laughs> like, you know, full time, but it's just like, it's cold. Of course, I want to be in my home, yeah. um, holidays, whatever. But of course, I want to be around my family, you know, loving on them, making memories. Like, I mean, she she got a she had a coworker who said, like, I guess you going to work so many hours or so many days in a month. And she said she'll like bust it, bust it down beginning of the month. And then you just have like this long stretch of days off. And for me, I'm like, that that's I'm like, that's if you tell me if you told me in a jar, you just gotta work every day for six months, and in the next six months you got it off. <laughs> exactly. You think I wanna work six months straight? I don't listen. F the weekends. I don't really care about the weekends. I could have man, especially if you get you start off that you get off in June. <laughs> it's happen one day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get my 10 forms of income. <laughs> I only want to like physically work at four and most of that will probably be done online. Yeah. I could have my little, what do you call it? Like a, not a vacation. They call it something else in like the UK, a holiday, have my holiday for four months with my family during the winter. Get there. (laughs) It's around the corner for me. I can feel it. (laughs) Taste it. That gives some nice inspiration for something to work towards because I feel very all over the place right now. I love my job. I would love to teach forever, but it is definitely all starting to... Have you thought about being like independent? Definitely. I definitely want to at least do both for a little bit until maybe I can you figure can out. You can even incorporate... I know like virtual isn't like, you know, you're not really feeling it like that, but... That can be part of, <laughs> yeah, that as well. Um, but that can be part of like your independent venture of like creating that space. You're just like, if you get information online, how do you know it's credible, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe can, creating some type of agency that gets, that does the research, gets the backing, and get it accredited by these same accreditation companies that the universities are using, mm-hmm. and it's online. Also, didn't know how lucrative it is to make a like an online course. A guy yeah. I follow uh, Ali Abdal, he said before this whole like course, you know, course, everybody has a course. He made a course on um, uh, what's the not Udemy? What's the other one? Skillshare. And he said he was getting like thirty thousand dollars a month from the one course that he made on there every month until they changed their rules and their splits. But he's like he's making thirty thousand dollars a month for a course that he made one time. <laughs> that's gonna be one of my two incomes <laughs> and I'm like I'm like you know you talking about like PR and doing a certain way like I'd be I, I can't see I, it's, I, I could easily see you making a course and then people can just invest in that course especially at their own time frame and it's like you don't have to do anything that, that that's the dream the dream is to have no homework to create <laughs> yeah like put, put the information out there you got a speech you want to work on with me we could even do some coaching but I don't want to grade that that's my biggest pet peeve of teaching is grading, and that's so. the probably the biggest for students is doing the work. You have to grade exactly. So, so. I never did homework. 
Once I found out, my teacher said, you can get a C, but I can do the homework. I said, why would I ever do homework? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Just pass the test, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting caught up in my grading, and I am seeing how many students don't do homework. I'm like, y'all, can we turn it in late? I'm like, you know, that's fine. But one of my students told me I'm too nice. So one day I'll put my foot down. No, you can't just, turn it in late. You know. Continue being nice. <laughs> Think so? Yeah, we're in a we're in a strange climate right now. <laughs> soft era. Yeah, soft era. <laughs> yeah, gentle teaching era. Gentle teaching. Yeah. Yeah. So things we look we can look forward to positive 100%. things. Retirement. 100%. Retirement. If y'all haven't read the book, read the book for our work week. What is it called? For our work week. Oh, for our. Four hour where, work week. Yeah. Is that where it talks about retiring every seven years? This one is about creating a schedule where you barely do any work throughout the week. Mm, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> when I become president, <laughs> yeah, that'd be fire. Shout out to Three day work weeks. <laughs> hey. And if you can make three days turn into four hours, good for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for the four hour work week. I mean, the four hour, the four day work week. But that'd be four tens or thirty two, whatever it is. I'm here for it. You know, it's gonna still be eight, but it's gonna be three days a week. Oh, three days. Oh, you talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. Like that ratio. Yeah. Right there. And just everyone, just you have more people employed because some people can work the opposite days. A great wage. You can still live without working six jobs. Got plans for the future. Right. He's like, I'm still gonna put out those twelve hour work days for my employees. Nah, actually, no. If I ever, I told, I told, I actually have it in my journal, my business journal. When I have a business, I'm gonna have the option for four four day work weeks, off Fridays, because I feel like people don't work hard on Fridays anyway. So if you if you if you want to come in anyway, you can. If not, it's cool. But I mean, I'm I'm not I'm also not crazy. I'm not gonna not pay you for Friday. Friday should <laughs> Friday should be an overtime day, like an extra credit, you know. Because if you, we already genuinely, generally don't want to work, but if you do work, get a little bonus. One of my old jobs, we used to have, um, was it like office days on Fridays? So we didn't, we didn't engage with any clients or anyone. It was just like a time for us to do what we need to do. And a lot of times it was just like, cause I worked, it was a community center that I ran. So I had to like shop. So I'm like, I'm getting my shopping done. I'm getting their shopping done. Mm-hmm. So I like that. It was just like a day where you just do whatever you need to do for work. And a lot of times we, of course, wrapped up early. And in my current job, they if it's a like we're about to have Veterans Day. Okay, we get that day off anyways. But say that there was a holiday on that Monday, they would give us only a half day on Friday. Mm-hmm. So we'll start our, our holiday three-day weekend early. So I like that too. I think four day work weeks for me is the future only because every other every other every other society has their former break whether it be spain with siestas or like france with the two-hour lunches and stuff like that like you know like every every culture has that and we don't have that i feel like the four day work week might be and we're still version. behind all them. <laughs> well we're still behind all them as far as like but we make the most money but we don't got all the different yeah like the different benefits <laughs> they have it's like is it yeah <laughs> for me but guys i appreciate you guys for joining us for another episode 
a special friends podcast again i'm your boy woo and this is yali b and we're also here with ariel Oh, bye-bye. Yeah, if you guys enjoyed the episode, do me a favor, like the video, subscribe, and again, comment. Just comment the video, what you like, what you want us to talk about, anything. If you listen to the audio version, please do me a favor. If you aren't, subscribe to the podcast on audio version, and also rate it five stars. Also, I, I haven't been letting this be known, and maybe I should have said this early in the episode. The audio version comes out before the video version. This, this head heads up. If you guys want to listen to the audio version first, it comes out first, and then the video comes out the next day. So if y'all want to listen to the audio version, if you want to listen to the podcast before everybody else, that's the way right there. Uh, again, appreciate you guys, and we out of here. Peace. Some fit. I was gonna say peace.